Welcome back to Many Windows, the podcast about all matters related to education by educators. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-host. Jennifer McGlemory. Hi, John. Hi, Jennifer. Week two of COVID considerations. How are you? Good, actually. Doing yeah, okay. Same. I got to talk to some kids today, so I'm feeling really pumped. Yeah, I, I taught my class today, and we had a really good, it, it was good, right? It was on Zoom. It's fine. I think I can do Zoom. It's all good. Uh, but I've been really thinking about making sure that the stuff I'm asking them to do at home is analog in nature, not digital, right? I teach an entrepreneurship class, so we're doing sort of design thinking. So I'm like, go around your house and find objects that are poorly designed and bring them here and let's redesign them, you know, kind of thing. So that went well. Great. Yeah, yeah that's my problem as a principal is now that we don't have any kids on campus, you know, I would normally every day part of my job would be standing in front of the school, welcoming kids as they arrive, standing right. out in between passing periods, seeing kids, lunchtime supervision. So it's been really hard, I found, once school started for us two weeks ago, and I couldn't just walk around and visit classrooms and see kids, you know, because unless you're a teacher who has kids assigned to you on on, and you're meeting them on this digital environment, you don't get to see them. So I had a little group of kids that I met with on a Google Meet today, this afternoon, and it just raised my spirits so much. Right. Uh, yeah, it was, it really showed me that I'm doing the right thing here. Right, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever met an educator who got into the profession to work entirely with adults. Yeah, or sit in front of a computer all day. Yeah, that wasn't the plan. And that's sort of what we're, what we're talking about in this series. And Jennifer, as I, as you say, dropped the lead last week, I'm going to flip it to you to introduce our guest and also to explain what the purpose of this series is. So we pivoted midway through this series. We were going to do a different topic for the second half of season two. But when we found ourselves in this pandemic, we really wanted to capture almost like, I think of it like a time capsule that we're making here, capture the lessons that we're learning in real time about distance learning, online learning, uh, and just life for an educator in, during this pandemic. So this week we have a teacher from my middle school, Lori Pacino, joining us today. She's an amazing sixth grade teacher who teaches English and social science, as well as some of our um, uh, ELD support classes. And so she is equally as effective with gate kids as she is with uh, struggling students and English learners. And that's what I love about her. So plus she's so innovative and creative. So she's our guest today, Lori Pacino. What do you want to say for yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a thrill to be here. Um, I have really learned so much these last two weeks. I keep telling my husband that I'm staving off Alzheimer's disease because I am learning to have all of these synapses firing at all times. And um, I, I'm also a mother of three. And so I fortunately I have a couple teenagers in the house that can help me through all of my technical difficulties. 
But I guess I'm here to tell you, you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> and I'm learning, I am trying to limit myself to learn a, one new trick a week so I can learn each new trick well. Um, so I'm trying to pace myself because there's literally just a wealth of extensions and apps and programs that are really exciting. And I want to dive into all of them, but I'm trying very hard to kind of limit myself to try one new um, app, one new program, really play with it, really use it. So it kind of can be owned by me. So I feel like I, and then move on to another one. So I have a list running of ones that I want to try. And then there are the few that I have already tried. So my two that I'm working on right now are um, both HyperDocs and Screencastify. Those are my two ones that I think that have been really fun and exciting and I'm enjoying um, putting them into my classroom. I have used Screencastify in my own work and it is a great tool. Well, and I was, um, so today we had office hours and I have a student teacher this semester and um, I have Miss Silva, um, uh, my ELD aide, she's coming in one, one, one of my ELD classes a week. So she showed up into office hours too. And we had about, last week I didn't have anybody, any kids show up. And this week I had about six kids show up. So that was also exciting. They're, they're figuring out where to go for questions and how to work the office hours. So that felt really good. But it was great to have that conversation. So we ended up kind of having a meeting about how are we gonna meet all of our ELD students' needs. And um, we kind of came up with Screencastify as being one of the best things that we can do. And I had talked to um, both Cody and Maritza today about how when you um, use Screencastify for any assignment that they're doing on their own, you're giving them a bridge to success. And I was saying that this is something that's going to stay with me um, or whatever new version of Screencastify they come out with that's going to stay with me when we go back to uh, the in-class learning. Because any assignment I give as homework, I can be in that assignment, I can explain that assignment and put that video with that assignment. So the kid who can't ask a parent and or a kid who can't um, you know, afford a tutor has it right there telling them how to do it. And I was showing Maritza how to do it today and saying, okay, you could take your history teacher's lesson that's you know, in all English for your newcomer and you could screencastify it and explain all the directions and what needs to be done in each spot in Spanish. And then that kid would have at least a chance of succeeding at this assignment. So we were talking about how maybe that she and I could work together to um, come up with some directions. I speak Spanish, but not native Spanish. So I was like, maybe we can work together to get some of these screencastified for our students who are, you know, levels one, two, and three ELD students. So I thought that application of it could be so exciting because she could just take a, a teacher's document and screencastify it for our kids who, who need further directions or uh, language translation. So I'm, I'm really thinking that Screencastify is going to be with me forever. <laughs> it, it, it is the kind of tool that makes the promise of the flipped classroom kind of a reality. Right. Yeah, I was. Um, so our this year, I felt like our district just did a bang up job of our PD. So we put teams together to basically make a slideshow with all kinds of hyperlinks for the teachers to learn these different different items. And I've heard about the flip classroom a lot. And 
I guess, you know, I wasn't quite sure exactly what it was. And after watching several videos on it, I, I realized that my ELD class, I've always kind of done as a flipped classroom. I just didn't know that that's what it was called. But with these tools and Screencastify and HyperDocs where you can add, embed the videos, it's, it's so possible. And I think that there's just no way that teachers are going to come back to your traditional lecture work model. I think that, that it's just going to naturally evolve to at least a hybrid flipped classroom or a more flipped classroom. So I, I think that's one of the silver linings of online education. So for Screencastify, we have been talking all about it, but I don't know that every person that's listening really knows what it is. My understanding is it's a tool uh, that you upload, that you can upload for free, and whatever is on your screen of your computer, you basically hit a record button, and then it records you speaking while showing whatever is on your computer screen, correct? Correct, exactly like that. And it also gives you a couple little extra functionality things like you can have a little highlighter pen and you can write on the document itself. So it gives you a, a few extra little tricks in your in your bag too. And there's also the option to not have your little face in there and just have the screen. Mm -hmm. And then also have an option to only have your face and have no um, screen. So it does give you a few extra options, but mostly it's just a really slick, easy way to record with your document. It automatically uploads it into your Google Drive. It's in a folder called Screencastify. Correct. So you can find it. <laughs> um, and it, it took me three tries to make my first one uh, without problems. And I think if you were tech savvy, it would take you one try. But because I'm you know, a child of the 70s, it took me three times. But I thought three tries wasn't so bad. And um, and the kids have really liked it. They've really liked having it. And then a kid who doesn't understand, so we did, we had this little Google Classroom training that we're having the kids do, and it's just a deck of slideshows. So I screencastified that, yeah. and they had to do a few activities with it. Well, this week they had to do some of the things that were in that tutorial, and a couple of them forgot. And I said, watch the second screencastify of that, and if you still can't figure it out, contact me. And I've gotten these texts from my kids, figured it out. Thanks, Ms. Pacino, I watched the video again, I've got it. So it also gives them, you know, they can get that second, third, fourth swipe on something if they need it. And it just, um, it's just a really nice resource. I used something called Loom, which is very similar, L-O-O-M, to, I knew when we were coming back to school, um, so many parents the, would not know how to access the Google Classrooms, how their kids were supposed to access the Google Classrooms to find their uh, codes, the Zoom codes and Google Meet codes for the first day of school. So I was able to pretty quickly, like you said, in three tries, <laughs> I was able to just record, I think it was about a three minute video where I walked parents through the process of finding your child's you know email address and password and logging onto a Google classroom and I don't think that that's the entire reason it went so smoothly our first day of school but I think that it really uh, contributed and that's what we're finding right is people need visuals and the explanation over top and it's such an easy way to do that mm -hmm. I think that it's 
absolutely one of the reasons why they were more successful because I have my own three children and uh, we had back to school night last night, as you know, and we had our videos posted on the stream in Google Classroom and we got, I even got the text. So that from our sign up reminder telling me how to get to my, my back to school night and it was really great and it, I could find it like the instructions were really clear and the instructions were on multiple platforms so that like you couldn't miss it, it was on the website we get a text it's on an email the right. teachers explain to the kids how they find it so they the parents really had a lot of chances so my own students um back to school night I couldn't find their videos like I so and I tried and I talked to my daughter and we went and looked and I was able to find like the general meeting that kind of gave the overview of the night, but I couldn't figure out how to get into our classrooms and then their zooms were live. So then by the time I finally figured it out, I had missed 90% of back to school night. So I do think that that is one of the biggest challenges in the digital world is really communicating how to use the technology and you kind of have to assume everybody's a beginner and i'm not a beginner and i was unsuccessful so i called my friend and was like okay just tell me what i really need to know about her english class and her math class and that friend i should have called that friend earlier but then you know of course my daughter has different classes so i got the few tidbits of information but it it is challenging for parents um and they're working and they've got you know they have other things going on and it's yeah, that, that, that's, that's the takeaway for me, right? That we are mindful as teachers that we are uh, in an unprecedented period, not just with what kids need socially and emotionally, but what we need as instructors to be able to teach effectively in hybrid frameworks. It's your point about I'm doing two right now and I'm going to do one a week and I'm going to get better week by week, but I'm not going to drink from the fire hose because that, that's going to not serve any purpose, right? We have to be mindful. I, I've said a hundred times on my campus, be in a place of grace with your parents and your kids and yourself because we're going to get through and good stuff is going to happen, but not if we are self-critical and all of this kind. Parents are struggling and kids are struggling, right? So the more ways to access information, the better, because people are just trying to get through the day. Well, and one of the things that really helped me at the very beginning of the year, you know, we'd watched all these trainings and they were amazing, but they were also really overwhelming because you felt like, oh my gosh, there is so much thing, so much I have to do, so many things I have to do. Do I need to create a Bitmoji classroom? And what if I don't get the Bitmoji classroom ready by the time school starts? Right. I gave up on the Bitmoji classroom, by the way. <laughs> I do put my Bitmojis in a few things, but I don't have a Bitmoji classroom. Bitmojis are basically, for people who don't know, little icons of yourself. It's like putting a little cartoon of yourself into different flyers and stuff. And, and then my 15-year-old daughter was like, Mom, don't overdo it on the Bitmojis. We think they're a little bit lame. <laughs> I <was> like, oh. <laughs> so, so I always have her like look at my stuff because she's like my 15-year-old view of like what's lame and what's cool. Right, right. Um, but one of the things that Jen did for us at you know, a staff meeting was like, look, by Monday, you have to have your Google Classroom set up. You have to have a plan for an hour's worth of teaching for each class. That's it. <laughs> like, that's it. That's all you have to have by Monday. And then, but you know, so, and it's kind of, so I keep 
and I can be one of these people that spin and stay awake and have too many things going on. And so what I'm trying to do each day is put a little sticky note by my computer. By tomorrow, I need the, these are the essentials I have to have done. And then I have my running list of things that I need to do too, but like could do's. But it's kind of like our reminder binder what that we do for the kids. We, ha we have them categorize it by must do, should do, could do. So I'm starting to categorize my list. Must do by tomorrow. Should do by tomorrow, could do. And so that I'm not so overwhelmed. And some days, actually at this point, most days, I'm getting through my must do and maybe one or two of my should do's. I'm not getting through as much as I, I used to. It takes me longer. Everything is taking me longer. Yeah. So I do think making those categories and uh, just deciding that it, good enough is going to have to be good enough at the beginning of this process and we'll get better and we're going to get our good enough to great. It's going to happen, but we're going to have to be okay with good enough um, because it's a learning curve. We're kind of all first year teachers again. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole notion of good to great, we have to remind ourselves that we're starting from good, right? We're not starting from dreadful to okay, right? And, <laughs> at, least, at least I hope. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, the classic teacher, right? Classic teacher response right there, right? Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's good, so I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm always in that mode, like, was this any good? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then I also have kind of decided, like, so my screencastifies and even my videos for parents, I've limited my takes. I've decided that there, I'm not going Good to idea. do more than three takes. And if the third take, they had to wait a second because it would took me a while to find the file that I was opening to show them. Oh, well. So I've like limited myself. Absolutely. You may not take more than three takes. Three takes is all you get. And um, I'm getting to the point that pretty soon I'm going to knock it down to two takes, two takes and it's good. <laughs> like yep. if it takes you two takes, fine, you don't get three takes. So make it work because you can spend, I mean, I took four takes on one of my uh, back to school night presentations. I had three because I had three different classes and it ended up being my worst of my three, but I was still, I was like, this is the fourth take, it's it. It's done, we're calling it good. <laughs> I think that's such a great point to make, particularly as we're trying to, you know, uh, record these episodes and turn them around and post them right away. That's such good advice for people. Um, what, what parents and kids and everybody want to see is an authentic person, right? They're not, we're, right. we're not producing television shows, right? We are just being ourselves and trying to record something that feels like a real experience. And so real experiences take a little bit of time and have pauses and have flub ups. And so I think it's okay. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, um, what they want to hear in their living rooms from your zoom calls is a teacher who is, who cares, who's holding kids to high standards, who's checking in on their work, who is um, trying to be engaging. I mean, that's what they want to hear. They're not expecting perfection. They know, they know it's not attainable. Um, and I, I think that we need to remember those core things, like the things that we know about teaching are not changing on the digital platform. We know kids need connections. We know we need to build a relationship. It's harder on the digital screen. It's harder to know for sure that kids are um, 
accountable for the work because you don't really know if they're watching you or if they've got a YouTube screen, screen up at the time right. of their favorite office episode. I mean, you don't actually know, but what I've found is that in Google classroom, this is my like this week's big aha is when I have them working on their work, I am randomly sampling, um, kids. I just randomly go into their work and I can see where they're typing. I can see the kid who hasn't even opened up the document yet. And right. so as they're realizing that I'm there and I even just get into their document and type a sentence, like, is there a reason why you're not on slide five typing like we're supposed to be doing right now? And all of a sudden they're like, but Gino's in my document. So, um, <laughs> so I, I don't even have to say anything out loud. I can just, and, and do that. And then I've also, um, kind of put my paraprofessionals and my uh, student teacher on a, on a few kids who have been struggling with work. Like, hey, can you hop into so-and-so's document because they have been really struggling with this and maybe you can see if you can help them as they're typing. And so they're just typing in there with them and saying, oh, you know, you for, don't forget your topic sentence, don't forget your heading, you know, and so they can just be right in there. And so I've kind of given them a few target students to work with. And then when my student teacher is doing a warm up or teaching a little part of the class, which he's just starting to kind of take over some portions, I'm with those kids. Those kids that I have handed off to him, I take over on when he's, um, when he's working. So it's using those paraprofessionals in a new way and kind of figuring how to, how, how to do that. So if you want your paraprofessionals to be able to do that, you have to make them a teacher on your classroom, just a tip right. to teachers, but you make them a teacher on your classroom and then they can jump in there and do those things. And my paraprofessional is going to help me screencastify some things in Spanish. And so really using those people for the same reasons we used them in the classroom, but finding the new way through the tech world it has been, um, a learning curve, but as I'm figuring it out, things are going a lot smoother. As I'm figuring it out, my work completion is getting higher. As I'm figuring it out, I'm pretty sure they're not on a YouTube channel because I can say, I can see four people didn't even click into the document. I need these four people to click into the document. So once you kind of figure those things out, you can really increase the accountability. Right. The, 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 the challenge for some folks that I've spoken to, not necessarily at my school, but that I've just spoken to generally is, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a veteran of X number of years, and this could be one, right? Why am I doing classroom management again? It feels like I'm a total rookie, right? And it's like, yeah, that's the first thing you sort of get down, and then it just sort of becomes your shtick, your rhythm, right? Yeah. And sort of what you're talking about is, I, I know that there's shenanigans going on here. How am I going to check, right? And, oh, yeah, yeah, there's nothing quite like your text showing up in the doc that they're not writing it. <laughs> <laughs> right while they're watching Teen Wolf you know well and I've even done things like uh, you know they're watching a you know little three minute video on what is a fragment sentence and then we're going to talk about finding our fragment sentences in our writing or whatever so if they're watching that and I know this kid hasn't walked in and has left his computer nine times to go to the refrigerator which my daughter told me that the average American opens the refrigerator 22 times a day so um, just tidbit of information. Um, but anyways, so as I'm watching this, so I watch this back and forth, back and forth. So I just pull up the phone number on Aries and call the mom and say, he's gotten out of his seat nine times. Um, could you please talk to him and tell him that it's really important for him to stay in the screen or I'm gonna have to mark him absent today or I'm gonna have to keep him after class and have him redo this part with me. 
And man, that kid never left the screen again. And guess what? He didn't leave the screen the next day either. (laughs) Like those kinds of things, those things that we know work, we have to kind of like triple down on, (laughs) you know? Yeah. One thing I really want Lori to talk about before we wrap up is uh, because I think she's a master of this. And I want to know, Lori, how you are, are building your class community in this virtual environment? How are you, you know, building that uh, effective class community feeling? So this, this has been a, a challenge for sure. Um, and I feel like one of the things that I need to do is give it more time than I normally do. So normally in the beginning of the year, I give it two weeks. This year, for sure, I'm going to give it three weeks and maybe even four. And I'm trying to do academic lessons that also build class community. So we're working on like telling our stories right now in English, for example. But so I'm doing some of the same activities where you make a word cloud about yourself and show and have the kids share up, you know, to the whole class at first, just so I can get a little piece of information on each kid. But I've also been doing a lot of the breakout rooms. And what I found was the first time I did a breakout room, I was sharing this with staff. I was like so nervous about starting the breakout room and I figured it all out and I had practiced it with my book club of just doing like a two person breakout room. So I knew how to do it. And I was like so nervous. I get them all in their rooms and I send them all off and they're all gone. And then I realized I never told them what to do in their breakout room. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, um, but then I was sending them to their breakout rooms and then I'd pop in their breakout rooms and they're all looking at each other without their screens unmuted, deer in the headlights, not having any idea what to do. And then I realized, you know, I wouldn't have my kids do a Kagan activity. A Kagan is an engagement activity for people that don't know. I wouldn't have them do that kind of activity in the classroom without explicitly modeling it, making it super clear what they're supposed to do, showing a screen of the steps, like. I wouldn't do that in the regular classroom. Why do I think that's going to work in the digital classroom? So then I found that like there, that's part of what, what I'm really trying to do is like when I realize I've done it wrong or roll it back, do it over. And that's hard for veteran teachers because we don't want to admit that we've, we've, are so off base on how we did it. But you know, this is my first time I've done a Zoom meet with with breakout rooms. So I have to be patient with myself. But now I put up a screen explaining to them exactly what they're gonna do in the breakout room. Then I have unmute, I ask four kids to unmute themselves. I model what they're going to do. I have somebody repeat it back to me. And then when they go in the room, you can type in a little announcement that it says, remember the person with the shortest hair goes first, you're sharing about you know whatever they're you're asking them to share about it's a round robin so you're going to go in clockwise order and then i've been hopping into their rooms i've been sending my my student teacher into the rooms i've been sending the tas into the rooms and my rule is if i come into your room and everybody's muted then you're going to redo your talk with me after class because I just need to, and I don't make it like punitive. I just said, you know, if I get into a room and nobody's talking and everybody's mics are off, I'm just going to keep you after for a couple minutes so we can redo it. So you'll understand how to do a breakout room. So I don't act like it's punitive, but they don't want to do that. So I've been popping in and working with them on them and they're still not perfect. They're still a work in progress, but they are at least 10 times better than they were week one. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, that's kind of, what we have to remind ourselves, like, if you were going to teach this in your regular live classroom, 
you definitely need to teach it in your Zoom classroom and even better probably, <laughs> you right. know? Right. Yeah. Um, we often forget that it's not like this would have gone perfectly in the live classroom necessarily either, right? So, so remember that the work is the work and the kids are the kids. And if your heart is in it and your training and your practice is in it, you'll get there. And then there are some things that are, you know, kind of nicer. Uh, you know, you can mute your whole class, you know? It can, like, so we're talking <laughs> in the regular class. I mean, we're going to get back to live school and try to push this mute button. It's not going to work, you know? So there are, there are some things that are kind of cool. Um, and, you know, and it's kind of cool to, like, I have lunch with my daughters every day, you know? So that's kind of cool. So, there, so I think we have to, like, celebrate the, the, the silver linings. And, you know, look, I'm still absolutely looking forward to the day we're back in live schooling, but there are some silver linings and I just keep trying to remind my own kids and myself of those silver linings. But, um, you know, so I think that that when we think about the good parts too, it, it helps us get through it. 100%. And even though we're technically at the end of week two for our schooling, you've actually only seen your kids four times. Like if we were in real life, you know, because we're alternating days and um, we don't have the kids doing Zoom on Fridays. So you have actually at the end of week two, not even been through an entire one week with your kids. You've right. been four days with your kids and probably a lot of day one was just doing the tech support stuff of how to get in and navigate Google Classrooms and navigate this new world. So you know, that's the other thing I, I can see as being a month in and teachers feeling like, oh, I, I'm just not getting as far as I normally would have by now. And it's like, yes, you have to keep remembering that we have so much less time with the kids. You've got to make every moment count and you've really got to give yourself a break and give them a break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm really working on. And I'm, I'm doing that with my colleagues, having some conversations. I mean, a shout out to Lucy and Terry, uh, Lucy Bowers and Terry Vargas. Uh, we sit together and we talk about what are the most important things in this unit? Uh, what, what are we going to boil this down to? What are the things that are the essentials? And um, I think that that part is really important to find out. And Sarah Reed's talked a lot about my biggest focus this year is going to be like, mental health and well-being too. So I'm not going to, um, you know, I, I'm going to do lessons that support that. So how can, especially in a language arts classes, so many opportunities to do that, to teach that mindfulness and teach that, um, you know, those executive functioning skills on how to get through this year. And, and you know, maybe they're gonna, maybe they'll do great, you know, maybe those kinds of things and that new focus is going to develop a whole different side of kids that we might have missed if we didn't have this pandemic. It's a good note to end on, Jennifer. I agree. Yeah. Lori, it's been extraordinary. I'm so glad that Jennifer brought you on and I had a chance to, to chat with you and learn a little bit from you. It's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Can't wait for the next opportunity. Wonderful. Okay. Folks, Thanks for listening to Many Windows, and we'll be back next week with a new guest. Thank you so much. Bye.